0: Hello and welcome to The Unmissables, episode 65. The latest in a long series of probings into television and popular culture hosted by me, Boyd Hill. I don't think I've introduced myself for a long time. Have
1: I? No, you haven't. No. You don't need an introduction to Well,
0: I do. That voice you're hearing just now is Kay Ribeiro. Hello. And in an exciting development, John Harris, for it is he, aka John Dan, aka our producer and guru, editor, technician,
1: friend, you always forget podcast
0: correspondent, friend, <laughs> is here taking the place as if her place could be taken of Steph Sealand, who outrageously is away this week. Welcome, John.
2: Welcome me. Her, her place cannot be taken. I'm, I'm, well, I'll, I'll try my best. Yeah.
1: She's she's gonna be like furious. But can I just say something about Steph's holiday? She's having a good time. Her husband Liam's already sent me a little video of her reclining in the garden in her swimming pool. Yes, she's paid too much a bower. She's got a swimming pool and she was reclining, listening to a podcast. She's got a swimming pool, like a well, not
0: just like a blow up inflatable one. one. Yeah, no, it's a oh. paddling
1: pool, but <laughs> it's it's big. To be oh. fair, it's really big, and she looks so happy.
0: I was gonna say you don't get swimming pools in Luton. Is that, <laughs> isn't
1: that where she lives? In? You, yeah, you can. I'm sure. Yeah. They have water there.
0: So um, in order to um, deal with the absence of Steph, uh, we've got a little special format change this week. Instead of the usual question time, we're going to do a spoiler special discussion of the last ever episode of The Bridge, which went out on BBC Two last Friday. And we feel we've given you a few days to um, digest it, watch it. If you're a Bridge fan, if you haven't watched it, then we'll tell you at the end of the podcast when to stop listening. Yeah, and come back later. We don't
1: want to spoil it for you because we don't
0: because we will be talking about what happens in it. Yeah. So that's a bonus. Before then, the meaty subjects which we we're going to look at are big new Sky Atlantic, slash HBO, slash Now TV, crime drama series "Sharp Objects," based on the book by Gillian. Yes, that's how you, that you pronounce how her it? name. It's not Gillian. Gillian Flynn Gillian. of Gone Girl fame. Gone Girl, Gillian.
1: How do you say the chocolate shells? Well, we're at it. Similar the
0: chocolate shell. Gullion.
1: Yeah. How, how do you say it?
2: Gullion. Gullion. Are you sure?
0: Well, it's French, aren't they? Belgian. Belgian. Gullion.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh. John
0: Dan knows. Anything right. French.
2: Oh, I don't know if that's correct. You, you asked, it how do sound I say right. it? Yeah.
0: It's gullion. Well, I didn't want well, to well, say it. would you say it? Gullion? Julien.
1: Gullion? Oh, yeah. Julien. Sounds that. better like that, right?
0: G Gullion? Got to <laughs> In further foreign language news, we're also looking at Dicta 3. <laughs>
1: It's how you say it, Dicta. <laughs>
0: um, you make
1: everything sound German. I
0: know it's actually not German either. It's, um, it's Scandinavian. It's, a, it's the third series of the Scandinavian crime drama Dicta. She's a reporter, no less, and it's on the More4 channel.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: part of the Water Presents strand, which we mentioned <gasps> last week. We did. We love Water
1: Presents.
0: presents. Water Presents should love us. Mm. And finally, a I would say highly anticipated new six-part drama series. Picnic at Hanging Rock, which tells the same story. It's based on an Australian novel that came out in, I think, the 70s or late 60s. And the original film, Picnic at Hanging Rock, have you seen it, John? No, I haven't. By Peter Weir, the director Peter Weir, it is an absolute all time classic, Kay. You look at me like I'm mad, but I'm not. Um, it's generally regarded as, I would say, one of the best Australian films of all time. I mean, very how Australian.
1: many are there? Tons? There are loads
0: of Australian films. But it's up there in a lot of people's favourite films of all time. Mm. Pina Cahania Rock. Interesting. So we'll be looking at that. And it stars that one from Game of Thrones.
1: Na- uh, dorma Natalie dorma Natalie Dormer.
0: Before all that, though, as is tradition, we're going to hold forth. We're going to freewheel it about stuff we've been enjoying in our cultural worlds this week. Usually, we start with Celia, and usually it's basically a litany of (laughs) Netflix-based true crime things that she's watched. So I'm wondering if John is going to stick with that, or if he's got his own mind, (laughs) he wants to tell us stuff that he likes.
2: I'm equally as cliched, but not in the same way as Steph. And I'm actually a big fan of the kind of murdery stuff. Yeah. Well, you
1: love the true crime.
2: But I thought, seeing as, as you said earlier, I am the podcast correspondent. Yes. I thought I'd bring three podcasts. Oh, to
1: oh I, excellent. Do you know what I have to say? Yeah, we're getting Obviously, I miss Steph, but I do love these podcast recommendations from John Dan.
2: Get your pen and paper ready. Right,
1: I've pens just pointed. Right, go. On.
2: Caliphate. Have you heard about this?
1: Ooh, yeah, I've I have. Heard of it. Yeah, it's, but I haven't listened to it.
2: It's believe the hype, honestly. Really? It is. So I had actually, I hadn't listened to any of it until. Uh, Monday and between then and now I've caught up because it, you just have to listen to all and it's it's great because um one of the great things about podcasts is each episode is as long as it is good so some of them will be 25 minutes some of them will be 40 minutes it, it's not like a strict Sorry, this was, this is not a hint to you guys no right? yeah. Yeah, I was just yeah, so. I was just wondering because
1: I was thinking okay, was oh I think about, that's that's
2: uh, 10 more minutes
0: give it that's your yeah. hint <laughs> yeah. we're gonna no, wrap it up, it? it up in five no it's you're you're the one <laughs> um, wraps, you're the wrap-up
2: queen so Uh, New York Times journalist uh, Rukmini Kalimachi reports on Islamic State. The first six episodes, I believe, are mostly dedicated to an interview where a Canadian ISIS defector speaks to Rukmini and her producer all about his time there. And it's really interesting because it gives you, not not empathy or like an understanding, but it kind of gives you a perspective of it that makes you go, I can see what they saw. Yeah. Rather than where, Mm. whereas it's really difficult to kind of understand sometimes where these people are coming from to think that going to the middle east to fight for isis seems like a logical decision for them and it really gives you an interesting insight into that kind of mindset and how that happens on the internet and stuff and it's just so it's so well produced it's so well reported and then even after so after that point it kind of stops focusing really specifically on his story but um it the the level of journalism on it is just it's just unfathomable.
1: Wait, did you say the guy, the ISIS defector is named?
2: Uh, not right. They give him a name, which is Sudan. kind of his uh, online mm. name. Right, okay. But it's not That's his so. real name.
0: Is, is the level of journalism greater even than when we're writing about like Victoria Beckham or something? Every
2: it is. It's, it's, <laughs> is it, it up there? It almost reached the heady heights okay. of Heat Magazine. Okay. Yeah. Don't
1: take the piss.
2: Sorry, sorry. Not you,
1: I'm talking to boy. don't worry. Um, um, what, yeah. How can we get this? iTunes.
2: It's, it's on all the Wherever podcasting you your podcast. services. Wherever right. you it is phenomenal. And six episodes. Um, no, I think there's 10 already. Oh. We need to catch up. Wow. But it, it, honestly, you're, it's, sometimes I worry that when, you know, there's one with a big, it's like, oh, many episodes, like, I don't know, 65. Uh, it seems like a big <laughs> commitment for the <laughs> listener. But honestly, uh, the, you, yeah. you'll, you'll start and you, you'll struggle to stop. It's, Can I just say, brilliant. John, Dan,
1: I do appreciate all the support you give us as our, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> Constant encouragement.
2: I mean, if you're listening, I would just, you know, I wouldn't go f- too far back into the archives. <laughs> There was someone, wasn't there? There was someone a while back who started from the beginning. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that
1: is dedication. Crazy talk. That was a super pog, and we yeah. need to remember the name of that person.
0: So that podcast is called Caliphate, is that yes. right? Yes,
2: C-A-L-I-P-H-A-T-E. Yes. Secondly, on a similar kind, well, it's an investigative journalism podcast. Uh, this one's called The Gateway, which is by Gizmodo. Mm-hmm. And Gizmodo. It, it Jennings Brown investigates a controversial internet spiritual guru called teal swan Ooh. so this sounds right up your street yeah, boys. So, so she does videos on youtube that are kind of in the self-help style Ooh. with kind of waves in the background and her talking in quite a you know calming reassuring voice but um she has been accused of promoting suicide and running <sighs> a cult Ooh. oh my god uh, she has a process called the completion process and jennings brown is lucky enough to go and visit the retreats that she organises and get a real insight into what Wait, her this, process is. is this
1: undercover, this woman does it, or is she invited by this woman to... Uh, Jen-
2: Jennings, Jennings is a man, I think.
1: Oh, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Such uh, a common name. <laughs>
2: Jennings. Why are you a woman called Jennings?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, imagine a man called Jennings. It's not uh, like the best of names for stuff, is
2: it? Sorry, Jennings. Yeah,
1: sorry, all the Jennings out there. Listen, um, if you're a pog, I really apologise. Um, <laughs> okay, well, he is he... yeah.
2: No, he does it in... He is invited by Teal as a journalist, so she knows oh, fully so she's well.
1: A, you know, she's Jenny- opening herself up to this.
2: Jennings and Teal. So Great she's, names. So <laughs> from, from the perspective you get... um, a few, This isn't like spoiler stuff, but you get the impression from Teal that basically there's been so much negative press around her that she's now having to open herself up to the press in an attempt to show that she isn't a suicide-encouraging cult. However, some evidence think, would be to the... The country. Well, what's but this
1: called, The Gateway? The Gateway. <sighs> Number two on the list. John, You're yeah. this is a good list so far.
2: Finally, on a different note, because I didn't want it to all be investigative journalism. So this one is a brand new one by joe.co.uk. So they do a lot of journalism. They do um, a lot of football stuff, which obviously doesn't really appeal to me. But they've started podcasting, and this is their second podcast following the brilliant Unfiltered with James O'Brien, which is James O'Brien interviewing mm-hmm. interesting people. Um, really that's also worth your time um, if you like those kind of long form interview podcasts this one is called boys don't cry with russell kane Mm. so russell kane has three guests on two men and a woman Uh, on the first episode it's aj odudu joel domit joel domit and marlon davis um the aj is a presenter and joel and marlon are comedians and the whole premise is it's Ignore the awful artwork, by the way. The, the artwork is like Russell Kane pretending to cry. If you mm. Mm. ignore the artwork no. and just have a listen, I think it's really, I, I think for a first episode, it's really interesting. I think it's it's got it's a great premise. It's about men talking about things that men don't generally talk about. Oh, okay. So, e.g., their feelings. That hence why boys don't cry.
0: Oh yeah, terrible artwork. i just looked at that. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying it's Kane now live.
1: Oh, that is terrible. So you I can know, confirm what mm. they're saying is true. Yeah, uh, that
2: sounds good, yeah. So the first episode, they talk about the idea that uh, the, the theory that women seem to be attracted to bad people, mm. uh, which is being very much uh, shown in the world of Love Islands, mm. uh, etc. And Kay, Kay's life. <laughs> and, uh, and they also talk about lads' holidays and stuff like that, these kind of things and, you know, how they can be destructive. It's really yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not like a massive Russell Kane fan, but I think that this is a really good like platform for him to kind of John chew de- the fat.
1: Are you watching Love Island?
2: No, but I've heard all about this guy who's a piece oh, of Alex.
1: work. Oh, Alex. Oh, Adam. Okay, fine.
2: He's like a piece of work. I mean,
1: to be fair, that could be a number of the are, men on there. They're all pieces of work, yeah. I think, except for Doctor Alex, who is hasn't been chosen by anyone. who's Ex-
2: undesirable. Hence the theory but that a lovely I doctor is getting um, ignored. I think that's these... more a
1: personality thing. I'd argue, but anyway. Oh, he's a nice guy, friend but I don't think it's fair friend. to say. Yeah, <laughs> listen, he's a nice guy, but I'm just saying. I think it's, a, it's too much of a sweeping statement to say just because he's a nice guy that's why the women aren't picking him. I think it's also to do with the fact that he's really quite dry.
2: If you like the wow. sound of any of those three podcasts and you think you haven't got enough time to listen to this one and any of them, just sti- sti- keep listening to this one, please.
1: Thank you. Oh, good. Also, Perfect I was getting seven. the sense that he didn't want to continue talking about Love Island.
2: Oh, we can talk. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you will be talking to two people who don't watch it. have a vague idea mm. of the concept. Yeah, Fair good enough.
0: point. Well Fair made. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about Love Island: to your Hearts content in your segment. Okay, is that what we? But thank you, thank you, John.
1: Yeah, they were great suggestions. Have you have got anything
0: else apart from that? Have you, have you delved into any other uh, cultural artefacts apart from that? No, that's enough. Don't get me wrong. That's more than enough.
1: He's all about But I'm just checking. Quality. Just, he'd
0: finished. I was just checking that he'd finished his segment.
2: Oh, okay. Curious. Everything else I've been watching and consuming has already been discussed on this podcast, e.g. Atlanta. and. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: you still, are you liking it?
2: Yeah, it's brilliant. And uh, Friday night dinner, etc. So, Good. Just checking. <laughs> so, okay.
0: Tell us about your things this week.
1: <laughs> I will do as Boyd is munching on a biscuit. Is it nice?
0: It's very nice, yeah. It's one of the delicious lemon curd biscuits I got from Fortnum & Mason when I did an event there.
1: No, <gasps> went. You're so swanky. There's mm. no rich tea biscuits for Boyd Hillen. No. No, no. Um, okay, first thing I want to tell you about is this book here that I'm holding up by Simon Rich called Hits and Misses, which he's like... One of my favourite authors. I think you've probably heard me talk about him before. I certainly have. If you don't know him, he's a young New Yorker novelist. He's done screen... He's done TV shows actually based on his books. The first book I read of his was called Elliot Allagash in 2010. And he has written for Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons. And he's just a very, very funny guy. He... The stuff he writes is quite surreal, and this is a new anthology of short stories. I haven't got that far into it, but the PR sent it to me because she knows I'm such a massive fan. And actually, I shouldn't say too much because it's out at the end of July and shouldn't pro- uh-huh. properly review it. But is what it,
0: <coughs> is it? <coughs> oh,
1: God, Boyd, I'm a first aider.
0: Is it embargoed? <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, it is, no. it is It is embargo, but I just wanted to tell you, that I've started reading it, That's and I fine. wanted to tell you about it, because I will be reviewing it once the embargo's lifted, but I wanted to say that if anyone is looking for a new author to try out, please do try him out. Simon Rich, his book Elliot Allagash is out, and then also he's got Man Seeking Woman based on The Lost Girlfriend on Earth, so that was the TV show. Did you ever see that? Man oh yeah, it's a good woman? show, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's on... Um... It's on the Dave channel in this country.
1: And he's also got Miracle Workers, which they're filming now with Dan Ra- Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi, wow. based on What in God's Name. Described him as an author by Matt Haig as the funniest writer alive. So wow. that gives you enough that you <clears> need <throat> to know. His new Big book's words. out, end of July, but go to Google and search what else he's got and start reading it so that we can discuss. Okay, so that's the first thing I wanted to tell you about. Second thing I wanted to tell you about is Sacred Games, right, which is a new Netflix oh. Um, series thriller set in Bombay, which is obviously why I like it, being of Indian heritage. You know, I like to champion a good Indian drama.
0: We didn't know that, but we do now.
1: Indian Summers.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know the listeners will know that because that was probably like five years ago on Channel Four before the podcast existed.
1: I think we discussed it on the podcast. You need. Summers. Oh, well, I've got vague memories. Really? Yes, John yeah. Dan, no. my defender. Yes.
2: I mean, we've been doing it for ten years. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> in that
1: long. Yeah. So Even anyway, summers
2: seems like. Decades ago. I'm
1: so me. furious that got cancelled. Mm. I really liked it. Yeah. Why did You're you not like it? You're its main champion,
2: I think. Yeah, your Twitter campaign didn't really. Mm. No. Well, up. the
1: only thing I was a bit angry about is that even though it was set in India, it was actually filmed in Malaysia or something. But, oh, you know, yeah. <clears throat> did you one of those? No, I mean I couldn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope this thing is set filmed in India. It is
1: right, yeah. So it's set in Bombay, and it is based on uh, the book by Vikram Chandra, 2006 book, and it's about a police officer called Sartaj. Who Sartaj? I don't know if I'm saying that right, played by Saif Ali Khan. And he's like this really upstanding police officer whose dad also was a police officer. And he's very much by the book, flying in the face of the corrupt police in Bombay. And he gets this phone call from a supposed voice of God, this guy who's giving him a tip-off, going, look, I'll give you the biggest tip of your career, um, how you can find this criminal overlord called Ganesh. And it's like this cat-and-mouse game for him to try and find this guy who says within 25 days, everything's going to go to shit, basically. And, yeah, it's really really good. It's really thrilling. Bombay's a very cinematic place to film anyway because of all the colours and, you know, it's just a beautiful city and it's got so much going on. And there's enough of a... It's enough intriguing intriguing for me to want to tune into the second episode. I think it's really good.
2: When's it on? Netflix?
1: It's on on the 7th of July. It's going to plonk. Tune in. I think we should be supporting the, like, Indian dramas.
2: Boyd and I were very excitedly nodding our heads throughout throughout your uh, (laughs) description. Particularly the voice of God.
1: Yeah, Yeah, voice of God. Without doubt. And so it's all going to—it's going to be connected to the the police officer's father and Ganesh, this guy, this criminal overlord. There's also, there's a connection, and it's like intriguing as to mm. how it all kind of ties in.
2: Have you only seen the first episode? Yeah. Okay, and you're definitely—I'm definitely feeling the second one because I want to see
1: what the connection is. Ah. Mm. So that's that, and then finally, I just wanted to do a bit of like some name dropping. Oh gosh. No, it's not exclusive to you, Boyd. Oh dear. Look, how I indulgent. Get a bit bongtastic. I went to um, the set visit of A League of Their Own last week john dan oh. did you watch it
2: no for my sins <gasps> what? I've heard it's, well you guys it's all an love excellent, it excellent excellent it's um, one of the few shows show. that you all three absolutely adore
1: we all love it and as you know J- well you might not know jack whitehall has left
2: yes ramesh
1: our friend the unmissable podcast friend <laughs> ramesh is K's.
2: the love you're of st- K's I life. i mean you're starting to look <laughs> I, is he oh you again Are
1: you all right no first of all he's not <laughs> There's nothing untoward going on as I pointed out last week. I said, you know, he's a very good interviewer, interviewee and interviewer, actually. And no, he hasn't got an injunction out against me, but they were all there. James Corden, um, Freddie Flintoff, Jamie Redknapp and Romesh was there. And they because the success of the show is based on their dynamics and the chemistry. Right. And so with Jack leaving, everyone was wondering, look, will this work? But I'm here to say that actually the chemistry is just fine with Romesh. They were getting on famously filming the next series, and also they've just done the road trip.
2: Who do you think is more busy, James Corden or Ramesh Ranganathan?
1: I think Ramesh is. He's so busy this year. What do you think, Boydo? It's a tough call. It's
0: a tough call, yeah. Uh, I mean, Corden does four shows every week, mm. plus they give their own, just filming at the moment in this country, as you've confirmed, because you went to see him.
1: Confirmed, I saw it with my eyes.
0: Um, and he also managed to fit film appearances in like Ocean's 8, but then Ramesh Ranganathan, as you know, because you are his his correspondent. Yep on Earth has, what, <laughs> four, three, four, five?
1: Oh, God, I think it's, like, more, yeah. Ten? Well, he's got the thing on Showtime. Thing it's on got Showtime. Lights.
0: Just another immigrant. The thing on Lucy yes. Two. Thing on Dave.
1: Yep, he's got the uh, Judge Ramesh, Misadventures thing of Romschrang Nathan. Incredible. Loads of stuff. And also... Podcast
2: called Hip Hop Save My Life for the, oh God for oh yeah, the people listening last week.
1: Absolutely, and more importantly, I'd say, he's got the Heat interview out today.
2: Oh. With oh.
1: your truly. So, I mean, that surely is the... Journalism. His career.
0: Journalism. Forget bloody, uh, you know, people investigating caliphates. Yeah. And weird cults. K probing Ramesh Nathan. That's your journalism right there. That- I've actually read it. It's excellent. It's very funny. Very entertaining.
2: Wasn't, um, wasn't James Corden the big interview? It
0: was last the week. Before, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're just working our way through We're the League of Their Own uh Busiest panel.
0: man. Mm. I mean, it's difficult to say which one's a better piece. You know,
1: <laughs> but. I can. It's mine. <laughs> anyway. Oh
0: Oh, thanks.
1: What, what have you been
0: watching? Very, I'd, very briefly. Well, this, I thought I'd mention um, a show that went out last Thursday. After the, frankly, tedious England game on oh. television, which which um, England didn't need to win, it was fine. They've got through to the next round. In fact, they're playing tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, when the podcast comes out. If you're listening to it any other time, then you'll have known what happens when England play. That Columbia. Thursday game was boring. It was boring. But afterwards, they had this experiment, this television experiment, in which uh, Good Evening Britain Okay, which you weren't watching, I know, because you were distracted by that Love Island BS on ITV2. Yeah. <laughs> but Good Evening Britain was a one-off experiment into television in which the Good Morning Britain team of Susanna and Piers Morgan
1: mm. presented... Susanna Reid.
0: Reid, thank you. A weird kind of mishmash of the kind of thing they do on that show, like interviews with the politicians. So Jeremy Corbyn was on it, for example, with... Celebrity interviews, Pam Randerson, mm. with uh, Danny Dyer, with like analysis of the football, mainly Piers Morgan complaining about it because England lost. It was a real... And I feel like
1: we what have was the to... point?
0: I have to express that it was barely any point. And the whole thing was a complete car crash as far as I'm concerned. I mean...
1: Wow. I These was, are bold words, boys. I thought it
0: was terrible. But all I'd say is, not, partly because obviously my aversion to Piers, sitting there pontificating and dominating and not hardly letting Susanna get a word in is really irritating. But the whole thing was saved, as everyone must know by now, by Danny Dyer, who was incredible and is brilliant and funny, and talking about, you know, telling Piers what an idiot is for dismissing everyone on Love Island as being an idiot and saying, you know, obviously my his daughter's on it, and but they're not idiots, and explaining why reality TV is a career now is a valid career path You know, people, which I thought was a really good point, because mm. people have always, dis- you know, Piers Dismissive. did that pointless, you know, clichéd disparaging thing about people without talent wanting you to be famous No, I'm sorry people without talent have been famous for as as long as time Mm. it's just one of those things that happens anyway it was saved by Danny Dyer's appearance and particularly him calling David Cameron a twat (laughs) twice not once but
1: twice not
0: once but twice You'll have all seen it on YouTube, if you haven't seen it then. Do when you're know, you-
1: watching that clip on YouTube, can I just say, please do um, just watch Pamela Anderson's face. Yeah. Because when Danny Dye is talking, he gets so obviously so het up and stuff, and she's just kind of like, she's bouncing along with him, but wow. kind of a bit, you know, bewildered what's going on.
0: Totally bewildered. And um, it was just an extraordinary television, but... Well, I thought what's really funny at the end of it is everyone's going. I was looking at you know on Twitter and social media, everyone's going, oh, you know they should bring this back just just with Danny Dyer though, not with Piers <laughs> <Yeah>. Morgan.
1: <laughs> just oh my god, Danny that,
0: Dyer, the show that I on, would watch in the evening on ITV. That would be great. No one needs. He needs him. to be
1: on more stuff. Yeah, he
0: needs to be on more stuff. But he was absolutely brilliant.
1: Maybe I'll see if he can come on the podcast. Well, yeah, there's another
0: one. He could be our um, extended special reality TV special. reality TV. Oh, Who knows? Whatever. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. And then the only other thing I was going to say is it's a Netflix thing. But it's not true crime.
1: Okay. It's not a
0: new big new drama series in 10 parts. It's a one-off comedy special called Nanette. Just hit that thing. Called Nanette by Hannah Gadsby. Has anyone heard of this? No. Honestly, it's already causing huge waves in the pop culture world, particularly in America and Australia. She's Australian. She's an Australian stand-up who... You might recognise. Do you remember it was an Australian show called Please Like Me that I repeatedly reviewed in Heat magazine? If you're a reader of that very tome, and I can't remember whether we did it on this show, it might have been before again, before our time, but it's all a blur. It was a really funny Australian like half hour comedy. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to see. It. It's still there. Please Like Me, and she played this kind of very weird outsidery character in it. She was brilliant, but she's stand up. But what this show is, it's one of the most incredible hours of stand up comedy you'll ever see. She's Australian. She's, um, uh, at one point, she talks about how um, she had to leave Tasmania, where she comes from, because she's a lesbian. And in that place, in Tasmania, being gay was illegal until, get this, 1997. What? Yes. Think about that for a minute. Now, this is just one. So she, the first half of it, I would say, is a fairly kind of standard stand-up. You know, she's talking about... Stuff she's endured in life in a very funny way. She's really funny. She's How brilliantly old is she? funny. Roughly. Is
1: she? Roughly, she in her thirties.
0: Or oh, okay, maybe. She's um, brilliantly funny, and she's fairly, you know, she's a really accomplished, hilarious, very clever stand-up. Then the second, then she kind of suddenly does a, a switch, and she literally says to the audience, "I'm paraphrasing. You know, I'm doing all this material. It's my normal self-deprecating thing, but it's material in which I make fun of myself. And you know, but actually, the truth is." that when you're being self-deprecating and you're a marginal member of society that's not going to work for me anymore because it's I'm taking my power away from, my, from myself and she basically has this kind of incredible it's
1: switch. like confessional
2: yeah. like
0: where and then the the second half of it is much more serious and but not always laced with humor but kind of talking about in a, in a kind of um revelatory way the the impact that the things she's had to endure as like a, a, a lesbian, a gay woman growing up in her, in her world, and what she's endured as a woman, and how what women endure of objectification. It's a whole thing, honestly. It's difficult to explain. You have to say it. But it's so bold
1: what's, Sorry, different. what's the comedian's name?
0: Hannah Gadsby.
1: Then why is it called Nanette? Oh, you'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, and um, it's a, one of the most unique things out there. So, yeah, and already, like, you know, people like in America, the New Yorker are, are picking up on it and everyone. It is the thing that you kind of have to see right now on Netflix.
1: Boyd, do you know what? And this is an absolute credit to you. I'm writing that on the list that I put John Dan's suggestion on. Well, I it's mean, going down. that's up there. It's, it's going down <laughs> <That> <laughs> on the list.
2: There. If Boyd's glowing review wasn't enough, um, I believe that won the Edinburgh Comedy Award alongside John Robbins' show last year. Did it? Really? I yes. didn't know that. Oh, my wow. God, what an
1: idiot. With all the facts. John, on with it. all the facts.
2: <laughs> totally on it.
0: There you go. Now I think it is time for the meat.
1: Oh, no, no, no. No, it's oh. not. No. T- now
0: I think it's time oh. for the tweet. For?
1: The meets. Oh, boy, you lured me in. I, I thought you were suddenly, because Steph wasn't here, starting to pick off confusing. the week. And you yeah. thought you were going to get yeah. get through this without any um, tweetage. Well, no. Right. Never. Well, actually, it's, it's slim. It's a shaving. It's, oh, a shaving, it's a shaving today. Uh, we've just got one message that I wanted to read out from Basilons. at Bazelons. Um And he said, following the recommendation from the good people um, at Unmissable Podcast, I'm catching up with Goliath on Amazon Prime and man, it's so good. Which is really, that's Steph's tip, right? We reviewed it on the show and then she said she'd gone back and watched it all and she was really raving about it. And then Goliath, um, their official... Twitter handle got involved and said good on you on Miss on The official
0: Goliath. Yeah. Goliath TV. Yeah. Goliath, I'm just being stupid. Uh, that's brilliant.
1: Yeah. That's good. So that's what I'd say. So thanks okay. for taking our recommendation on board and tweeting about it. I think
2: we've officially championed Goliath. We have. It's official. It's, it's official. official. Um, whilst and... I have time behind this microphone and it's tweet before the mate, I'd yeah. like to give my side... It's oh, very somber. Voice. The menu gate. <gasps> oh God, please. Oh, menu gate yeah. two
1: thousand and eighteen. In yeah, which you were, just to summarise, John Dan was sacked, <laughs> and then for at least four or five hours, rudderless we were, and then he was reinstated because Boyd staged an intervention. Wow. And then it transpired that I'd got stuff a bit wrong, and then we blamed one of our pogs. Right, that's where we are at. Yeah.
2: I mean mostly I I just, just want to say that I feel like we you I feel like we were too quick to f- to throw our listener under the metaphorical bus and I feel like you know maybe some of the blame should sit at the door of Stephen K for <gasps> so excitedly John. firing me and trying to break me down on Twitter. Yeah.
1: What? So Wait a minute John. I have never seen that stuff so
2: am-
0: Well, I have
1: but. <laughs> I am absolutely furious about this. What the hell? Now just quick I mean we don't want to spend too much time in this but what it would say right is I thought the episode hadn't gone up, and I thought this is what had happened. The right? episode
2: always goes up, with exception of maybe. And I thought, next no, I thought it was the wrong labor, menu, that's, that's it. About. I
1: thought it was the wrong menu, and that's yeah. what our lovely Pog was telling us. And as it turned out, it wasn't. It was that, you know, that you put hadn't put, put the yeah. menu up. Yeah. So, so who's to blame? You're saying I'm to blame.
2: Well, I mean, ultimately. Just by uh, your rush to judgment, I think, yeah.
1: But I'm sorry, but if a Mr. So he had to be I'm sacked.
2: Still, I'm also he still to blame to for not getting the menu up in time. It already, it already. I it think we need like to a do a late. poll
1: because I think you were. It poll. was absolutely right to sack you,
2: and then and right. We'll put your name. Yeah. You and Steph, and yeah. then we'll put me, and whoever gets the most votes is officially. No, I would fired. like a split vote. No, I'd like a split <laughs> vote because what I would say is I did
1: <laughs> fire <laughs> John Dan, but it was Steph, and I'm I'm saying this, and it's it's a fact that she was the one who wanted to break your spirit. I didn't actually say, mm. you know, she called for all the pogs to break your spirit, and I just said, let's just fire him for being rubbish.
2: Can um, we have a fourth option that's let's just be friends?
1: Okay, th- all right. Yeah, cool. you, me, Steph on the pole, and then let's just be friends. And we'll see who wins. Boy, do safe? Yeah. Oh, thank you. He's the one who got you reinstated. <laughs> I mean, for the moment. Yeah,
2: I'd be
0: surprised if you mean
1: Okay, so girls. we're sort of apologising. You're apologising to... Um, I'm apologising to
2: every single person who follows us on Twitter for not getting that menu up quickly enough.
1: Good. So he's Official. he's he's recognising his fault. You
0: are a <laughs> hero. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's move on to. The, can we move on to the meat now? Kay? Yeah. That's is fine. is tweets tweets before the meat officially? Is that segment officially uh, it's been dealt started, with?
1: I mean, we've had John and I have just had a little bit of falling out. I think it's best to move oh, on. Oh, Yeah.
0: Let's move on. Sharp objects was the novel. By Gillian Flynn of Gone Girl fame. One of my favourite films of recent years. Okay,
1: I, Do you know what? I thought I'd seen it and then I was confusing it for Gone Girl. That's what I thought. I'd I just f- said
2: Gone Girl. Yeah. What it is Gone Girl. It is no. Gone Girl. What did I just girl say? Girl on the did Train. I, <laughs> right. oh.
1: I, mean, I thought it was Girl on the Train, no. sorry. And then I was like, oh, I've seen that. I mean, they that. are two best-selling crime
0: mystery novels with the word Girl on the title, easily confused. Of the last few years. And the who's the author years.
1: of Girl on the Train? I think it's a similar name, isn't it?
0: Um, John's sure. going to look that up but it's not Gillian Flynn Gillian Flynn wrote Gone Girl which was the subject of one of my favourite films of recent years of which The Girl on the Train is not it's fine perfectly decent film that is but Gone because Girl he- is brilliant with um, with uh, Ben Affleck directed by yes. David Fincher absolute classic this is her novel turned in she, she helped adapt it for um, an part HBO series directed by Jean-Marc Vallée who directed Big Little Lies, which was kind of last year's big HBO... Visual Tree. You know, seven, eight-part serial. This is an eight-part serial. It's kind of got a lot in common. And it stars Amy Adams, who plays a big city newspaper reporter in St Louis, Missouri, with a history of psychological issues, many, many psychological issues. She's sent back to her hometown... Um, by her boss, her newspaper boss, who also is clearly trying to help her get back into kind of professional life because she's had big, big issues in recent times.
1: She likes a drink.
0: She likes a drink. There will be flashbacks to her, not to spoil it, in in traumatic times and how she dealt with that. I think that I've seen seven episodes, by the way. So oh, I'm wow. trying to remember, yeah. So I'm trying to remember Oh wow! not to reveal too much. I'm so jealous. Yes. For the
2: record, I've only done one.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, me too. Fair enough. That's what normal people person would do. Um... So she's been sent by her boss to investigate um, murders that have been going on in her small town community where she was brought up by her mother, um, paid by Patricia Clarkson, who's quite a piece of work. And her mother kind of is the richest woman in the town. She's got a pig farming business <laughs> and she kind of employs all the all the kind of locals... And she's got an extraordinarily harsh relationship with her daughter. And she's not happy that the daughter's come back to the town to kind of expose the dark underbelly and to report on it for the newspaper.
1: She's very controlling. Very
0: controlling. Very manipulative. Meanwhile, there's a detective who's also an outsider who arrives to investigate the murders because, frankly, no one really trusts the police chief, the old school police chief, to do it all himself. So they kind of have to work together. And um, it's a kind of, as much I would say, a psychological thriller about what's going on in Amy Evans' character's mind and how she's dealing with what's happened in her past, as well as an investigation into these murders that happen, are happening now in this small town in Missouri. Kay Ribeiro, what do you reckon?
1: I absolutely bloody love this. I think it's fantastic. It's one of the best things I've seen this year, I think. It's, I mean... all of it is fantastic i mean it's visually it's very lavishly filmed um all the actors are great the performances but i think amy adams is just exceptional as this tortured soul and she gives such a densely layered performance that i just think she's one of these characters a bit like sega from the bridge where you could just watch her for like 10 series you probably wouldn't get to the the bottom of what's motivating her what's gone on in her past to make her how she is because obviously so much traumatic stuff has happened to her but i just think it's it's brilliant and i think everyone's gonna be talking about it i loved it
0: john you will be talking about it now i hope <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it would be weird that would for be the podcast, awkward. living
1: up to silent John. do nine.
0: you agree
2: yes uh, i think it's going to be an agreeance all around somehow um, uh, yeah what what kay said uh, one of the problems is when you agree with someone you worry that you're just going to start regurgitating the exact same stuff, but yeah, exactly what Kay said about um, the kind of the way it's like. It is in in a weird way reminiscent of Big Little Lies in the way that it's filmed. It's much more uh, adult, if you if you can say so. I'd say than Big Little Lies, mm. but in terms of the way that it's fi- filmed, that it's nothing spectacular is happening, but the way it's filmed, you just it feels quite cinematic and big mm. and. Um in the first episode stuff happens don't get me wrong but not a lot mm. yet somehow like the incredible performance from Amy Adams and just the little teasers and bits of information that they give you is just enough to make you really care about the characters and want to find out what's happening um it's 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 an amazing like first episode to tr- just get you hooked and care about characters and make you want to keep watching them by not doing a lot, mm. it's,
1: which, a, it's a setup episode, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, mm. But there's just so many hints at like this dark past that you know her mother. Why is she? You know, why she so Horrible. angry? <laughs> yeah, angry and yeah. like nasty to this daughter. Um, wh- what's brought about this drinking? Like, and obviously, these glimpses into her past. But also, there's this half sister called Amma, played by Eliza Scanlon. Who's also very intriguing. She's there's something not quite right about her as well. Oh God, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's damaged. Just, everyone's very damaged. In everyone's this. damaged. Damaged goods. Everyone's
0: drinking. This is what again. Yeah. So I so to to say again, I've watched seven out of the eight episodes. Show off. I'm showing off. <laughs> just because I'm obsessed with it and annoyingly I'm so stupid because I knew that they're not obviously the last episode which they won't show you the reveal they? of, of uh. what yeah they won't give me that so I'm going to have to wait about 10 weeks now because this starts next Monday <laughs> to era. find out what the hell or I could just read the book I haven't read the book by the way um, but I think so this goes I, I'm looking at this I, I agree I think it is, it's more it's darker I, mean, I know people say the word dark all the time it's literally darker isn't it The yeah. Big Little Lies was sunny mm. and Californian and kind of quite funny, even though it's dealing with big issues like abuse, you know, spousal abuse. Remember and um, yeah. all of that. It was quite. It was a lot of wry, funny stuff about like almost social satire of these posh women. Do you remember?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You're looking at me like you don't agree. No, that I thought funny. you said
1: no. He, I mean, it wasn't like a Lowell fest, but no, yeah, I see what you mean. Wryly, it was a
0: satire. Yeah. It was wryly amusing. A lot of it, as well as being you know, and and the way. So, but I think the John Michael Valley thing. He actually directed that series, as you were saying. This this structure, this flashback structure, is so clever. Where He's constantly showing tiny little glimpses, mm. sometimes literally like a second of something that happened years ago or something happened in the past somehow, In, in mainly to Amy, Amy, mainly with Amy Adams' character. Um, and these glimpses carry all the way through. You get to see more and more of what's happened to her in the past and these little moments. And he did that all the way through in Big Little Lies as well. In fact, Big Little Lies had flashes forward and flashes backwards. Yeah. But he does it so well. And I, you know... I think he's absolute master of the material. But equally, um, Amy Adams is incredible. And the, that relationship between Amy AD Adams and Patricia Clarkson, the mother-daughter thing, is one of the most... It's it's so entertaining because it's so ridiculous how horrible the mother is to the daughter. And by the way, it gets worse. Oh, really? Right? It gets even... It, it carries on. What is on her problem? Relentless. Well, you do find out. I mean, I've reached episode seven and you kind of pretty much find out what... What the psychological reasons for that is really? Yeah, you do. Yeah, there's anything with spoiling. Amy
1: Adams. There's just like a rawness about. Oh my it. god,
0: she's totally damaged. But what's brilliant is, is that um, she's also incredibly like she's harsh to people and very blunt. Almost in a in a in a saga, Noren, mm. as you were saying, almost it's a few, th- almost some things in common, mm. but somehow incredibly likeable like you want to spend time with her. I like her I'm not sure I can't remember how much there was in the first episode but she gets she develops more of a friendship with the detective yeah
1: so that kind of starts in the yeah, first the episode yeah the two outsiders bit.
0: bond yeah because they're both being regarded by the locals as like snobs mm. and you know people who shouldn't be poking their nose in and their bond over that is brilliantly done as well it is I think it's up there I think it's better than even better than Big Little Lies oh wow oh. and you've got yeah yeah
1: yeah I agree and we've
0: already got Um, you know this year Patrick Morrow's A Very English Scandal I'm saying it's it's in that it's up there it could might even be I don't know it's definitely it's just an incredible example of as you say cinematic
2: television it's brilliant it's five stars
1: it is gripping it's a five stars from me John
2: Dan I was going to say four and a half and I feel guilty now
1: no you say four and a half I say four and a half
2: you are
0: hard to please John Dan
2: (laughs) (laughs) But based on the first episode.
0: Fair enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've literally watched seven He's hours of it. He's only giving
1: it four and a half because it ma- wasn't a podcast. <laughs> True.
0: As I may have mentioned, I've watched seven hours of it. Um, <sighs> it's starting next Monday on Sky Atlantic and Now TV, and it's such a big deal for them. They're doing that thing they do with Westworld and Game of Thrones, where they're showing it live as it goes out in America, Simulcast. two in the morning. Simulcast. Or if you want to stay up normal time, watch it at nine o'clock in the evening. Um, and it is phenomenal. Moving on to... Prime reporter. We no? need to have
1: some clarification of this. I, want, I don't know how we can Dicta, find Dicta, out. Dicta. Dicta.
0: I'm just being silly, calling it, over-pronouncing it.
1: She, they say a name, it it's the name
0: of the main character, Dicta Svensson. Yeah. Played by Ibn Healy. Mm.
1: Easy for you to say.
0: Yeah, not really. Um. And they just kind of say, oh, hi, Dicta. All right, Dicta.
1: Dicta. Dicta. Okay. We'll Tuck, go- okay. Dicta. <laughs> oh, tug. Tuck,
0: tug, Tuck. Tuck. Um, who wants to explain what the hell this is about I'm going for Kay
1: yeah alright well what I'll say is I haven't watched any of the previous series so well um,
0: we're all in that boat yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh are oh, we okay fine alright so um, Dicta or Dicty as I'm calling her has um, you get the impression and listeners if you've seen the past you, I'm sure you're this is right right but she obviously wasn't that keen to settle down before because you get that impression that oh, she's, she's the previous, yeah. yeah so yeah. she's now settling down with um beau played by dar salim who was in below the surface which we reviewed Do you remember uh, yeah of course he was one of the hostages oh, he's yeah. taken on the train yep, yep, yep. anyway so they have just john dunn's looking uh confused
2: oh no i was i was just saying he it sounds like he's getting a raw old time of it in. in yeah, the he's, <laughs> yeah he, uh, <laughs> he's
1: having a bad time he's a professional he loves hostage. being hostage yeah um anyway they Spider get alert. in the first episode For what you about to say yeah <laughs> They get married in the first episode and um, life seems to be good. She seems to have finally like, got to grips with the domestic lifestyle that, and she's finally thinking, right, this is, this is me done. She's given up her job as a journalist. She's going to write a book. And then, God, sucks to be her. The next day, her um, now husband, who's gone off on a mission, uh, a photo assignment to Lebanon, doesn't come back right? She's calling him. He says, yeah, yeah, he's getting the next plane. His plane's been cancelled. He's coming back. And then he doesn't come back. And as the um, episode continues, we kind of find out that he has been taken hostage and it's the race against time to try and generate the money. As always, a bit like below the surface where they had the exact same concept.
0: Wow. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny, John, Dan.
1: Boydie. J.D.? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Is this up? Your, I know you're a fan. Of, we're going to go move on to the bridge later when we do our spoilers, but I know you're a fan of that Scandinavian crime drama. How does this Scandinavian crime drama hit you?
2: It's probably the first time I, I don't I don't watch a lot of Scandinavian dramas, so I probably had an unfair idea of what Scandinavian drama is going to be like.
1: Are you going to be out of order about them?
2: No, no. I love it. I, I, the oh, ones this... I've seen. Are, I think are phenomenal, oh, and fine. I I thought this was good. I, I've not I'm not negative against it it's just I was I think because of stuff like the bridge I'm expecting everything to be so much yeah darker and bleaker and this one I I, my first note was it's tonally odd and I don't think maybe maybe that's because I'm not used to watching the kind of seven eight o'clock dramas I'm usually the person watching the you know the nine ten p.m. ones which are do you see what I mean no
1: what do you mean so do you just mean like like, because it's not dark enough
2: it's not it's not dark there's like at the beginning, at the begin it's it's totally odd because they're like cracking jokes and they've the the opening credits are like the level oh. of like they're like hollyoaks.
1: Dude, you I've know got, what i mean? I've got a whole section. I just wanna yeah, I've got a lot to say about these. Yeah,
2: it's quite kind of nineties, isn't it? The
0: um the way it's filmed and the way it's presented. I think that's one of the issues. And then it feels you're dealing very with old like
2: school. Lebanon and terrorists yeah. and the hostages and you think yeah. it's yeah. just for me it that jarred slightly. The it's yeah. a bit twenty four.
0: I know what you mean. Because there's a there's a young um in the scene set in the newspaper where she's trying to, she goes to see the editors to help, you know, free their colleague. There's this woman whose hair is like like Amy Winehouse, Winehouse. exactly. (laughs) There's some incredible hair throughout the whole show, by the way. It's incredible haircuts. I know that's not an important and profound criticism, but um, the one who looks like Amy Winehouse is Mm. like chucklesome, chuckling all the time about this very serious situation, which is quite funny. I thought it was funny, but you're right. it It is totally weird, isn't it? There's people are kind of quipping a lot. And it's not, it's definitely not, and I know I said this last week about our, our last week's Walter uh, Presents show that we did, mm. but I'm finding it hard not to say it. So it's Compared my honest. The bridge. Oh, even Not even in terms of the, the dialogue or the um, characterization or the mystery, just in the way it's filmed. Like this is very quite basic, isn't it? The way it's filmed, just lower it budget. Is. The bridge is so beautiful every shot is so fantastic and it's so atmospheric this has no atmosphere yeah. it's fairly straightforward it feels like a kind of episode of sweeney to me like back in the 70s
1: okay so this is why right i wish i'd watched the first and second series mm. because ev- like steph's really people really raves about this it, yeah people yeah people rave about this all the time and i i know so i believe it is like and based on this episode it's, it is good it's good enough do you know what i mean but it's not yeah. when you I think I unfair when I watch it. I unfairly compare it to the bridge because now I, that is just now the benchmark for everything. and I don't think that's necessarily fair, but while it is good, the opening credits <laughs> and the music within is so <laughs> naff, right?
0: Naff. That's the word. It's yeah, totally yeah.
1: naff, and it reminds me of. Do you remember Family Affairs? I do. Right. <laughs> um, it's a soap on. Was it watch Channel every Five? Episode. Yeah. It I didn't, I didn't just rem, it reminds me of that, and I think it really does it a disservice because mm. it makes it seem. Naff, and I don't think it is. It's a good drama, but it's just not to the bridge standard.
0: Interestingly, I did read that. Um, so it's shown here; it's showing here from next Friday on the More Four channel, and um, it's in five parts, and they're like five hour long episodes. And interestingly, in Denmark, where it's shown, where it's made and shown, they show it in like little half hour episodes. Mm. It's quite it is quite an yeah. interesting um, format.
1: Yeah, but what's the reason that... behind the Naff opening credits?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole. I don't think. I mean, on one level, so the only explanation I think they're trying to be slightly less portentous to use that word. Than something like The Bridge. I've used that word. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Gosh. Less kind of, not everything has to be big and lavish and, you know, every show has to be incredible and not every, and so it feels like, you know, their ambition is, is smaller, but still. But
1: I think it diminishes its value sure. by having such okay. enough music. No, I'm just, I'm just I think it's making it soapy when it's no. not.
0: I agree. I,
2: no, I actually <laughs> think perhaps the reason they've put them in hour long episodes is so you don't think they're soapy. Yeah. Because if you did it see half totally. hours, yes. you'd think, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Whereas an hour long feels yeah. without doubt.
0: Without doubt. That's why I mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Dick D, crime reporter, how many stars are you giving it, Kay?
1: I'm giving it four stars. I'm, I think it's good. I want to go back and watch first and second series,
2: Jonathan. Uh, three and a half uh, and also just to say I wonder, I wonder if Steph will say otherwise uh, on the, a future episode but well, if you haven't seen previous series I think by the time this episode's finished you're actually pretty pretty up to, to to date with what each character is and their kind of relationships so if you did for some reason just want to start here I think it's not completely confusing oh, No, to no, a yeah. new no when I
1: was referring to that I was just saying because I was describing their relationship and I thought for anyone who's actually watched it yeah. you know like
2: mm.
0: yeah
1: it's uh, obvious that I'm going to give it
0: three and a half stars as well. Walter Presents, colon, Dicty, crime reporter. <laughs> Dicta.
1: Dicty. Is
0: on more for from f- next Friday, which is the 13th of July. Friday the 13th at t- the 9pm. Finally, it is Picnic at Hanging Rock. So I'm the only one
2: who's seen the film Picnic at Hanging Rock. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh, just going back to something. No? Did you ever find out who the author was of that? It's really annoying me.
2: Uh, yes, I did. Sorry. Oh. The author of Girl on the Train... <laughs> is Paula Hawkins.
1: Exactly similar. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Paula Hawkins. Very, very similar. You didn't know which one I
2: said just then (laughs) because they sound so similar. It's like... Anyway,
0: just to bring us up to date, we're now doing Picnic at Hanging Rock, (laughs) which is based on a uh, classic novel, Australian novel. It's turned into an absolutely brilliant film directed by Peter Weir in 1974, 5 John, would you like to uh, assail this oh. televisual artefact?
2: <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm worried I'm just going to read out the official do blurb. I'm yeah. giving
0: you an official blurb.
2: In the final decade of the 19th century, beautiful and mysterious widow, Hester Appleyard, Brackets Natalie Dormer, arrives in Australia, <laughs> haunted by her secret past. Do you want me to go any further into yes. it? <laughs>
0: Pay- cuz that's not going to be enough to entice people.
2: Paying in cash for an isolated mansion out in the bush, she establishes a school for young ladies, and 6 years later, Appleyard College is a success. Mm. An enigmatic headmistress, something haunts Hester, is it the bush, dangerous or untamed? Oh my or is god, it, it makes it her sound own- like it's
0: loads of stuff yeah. about her a dangerous bush. and untamed bush. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When I first read it, I didn't. It's because well, you're reading it in that voice. <laughs> I didn't.
2: I didn't watch the second episode. Is that is that all about that? that
1: feature, her bush features heavily. Yeah. Steady.
0: <laughs> and but what the big thing that happens is they go for a picnic at Bloody Hanging Rock, which is a real huge big rock in the outback in Australia, and they disappear. Some of them disappear. Some mm. of the women, some of the young ladies in this school, and some of their um, tutors. Yeah go missing and the whole thing is what what the hell has happened mm. to these women and what does it all mean k
1: yes <laughs> right okay i got to say so i didn't warm to this in the same way that i imagine you guys did and you know it's one of those ones no, no, never one,
0: imagined, never assumed, assumed. Never, i yeah. have assumed that an ass 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 uh, uh, you never do me. that
1: no but i just know that this is obviously one that i'm sure everyone's going to love but it's, uh, what I liked about it is that I did think Natalie Dormer's character is very intriguing because she's as repelling as she has, is appealing. Like, there's something about her that's intriguing, yet she's quite a repellent character. Like, mm. she's obviously like the other character in um, what was it we just talked about? <laughs> I'm not even Dictor? remember. No, the one. Shot objects. Supposed- yes, she's also got you know some traumas that have happened to oh, her. Yeah. You know, she she comes and she's like she's a widow. She's got stuff going on and she's really really harsh with the girls she wants them to be a certain way you know um, in the first episode there's a character called miranda who's very headstrong and there's an incident in a, a barn when a young soldier tries to take advantage and she impales his foot with a pitchfork and it's horrendous um and rather than sympathizing with her hester's like really furious with her that she's let their standards slip and she's left herself open to you know people saying stuff about her reputation and i just think so obviously it is intriguing like why she's such a bitch. Um, but mm. I don't B know. Word. I just yeah, the B word. Um, but I don't know. It, uh, gothic thrillers aren't my thing. So oh. what have you got against Gothic thrillers? I don't know. I just didn't.
0: Th- is that why you turned around to me in the middle of watching the show and said, "Is this a Gothic thriller?" <laughs> and when <laughs> goth- I said, "And I said, kind of," I didn't really know how to respond response to that. Well, and then you, know. you then decided well, you didn't like it because you don't like Gothic thrillers.
1: Yeah, I didn't. So know. What are you telling me? Put it like this: at the end of the episode, when they go down to the rock and you know something, <sighs> how would you describe that? Some is it like? otherworldly, I don't
2: yeah. even know. Yeah, is good. The official blurb says something unthinkable happens. Okay, something go.
1: unthinkable happens mm. and while it's intriguing, I'm not gonna, I don't feel compelled to watch, find out what it is. I'm gonna let one of you watch and tell me.
0: Thanks for that. Thanks for letting us watch. Cheers. Kay is assuming that you're gonna love it though, or like no, it. No, I
1: assume you're gonna love it. Oh. oh, you said both
0: of us. You did. Right? You're,
1: I, you're backtracking. John it's John a backtrack. I, no, I think John will as well. I'll stand by it. I'm gonna love it. I think you'll you'll think it's good, really good.
2: Um for the record, the la- I think the last time I was on here we did a period drama starring one of the Game of Thrones cast. Did we? Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: I think we did. What was that? What was um, that?
2: The one about the fifth of November.
1: Yeah. Do
0: you remember? Uh, what God, was yeah, yeah. None um, of us can remember it was like... Jon Snow, yeah. Mm. Um okay. Guy Fawkes. Oh, yes. <laughs> it wasn't called
2: that. No, it was Fawkes.
0: A- Fawkes. No, it wasn't called that either. It was about
2: his it was about one of his crew, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. about Forks himself. No, exactly, yeah. Oh yeah. What
1: was that called?
2: Okay, I'm gonna look it up. i I didn't love it.
1: <gasps> yeah, John, joining my bus. So
2: what I did, I agree with you. I thought Natalie Dormer was great and intriguing. Um, I don't know if this is getting into spoiler territory, but she seems to have an internal monologue that's a cockney. That <laughs> yes, did, that she does. Job. That's right at
0: the beginning. That wasn't weird. The, in the voiceover. Slightly yeah. weird. Yeah. Anyone yeah. else? Yeah, it's yeah.
2: a bit weird. Um, I, um, there were some really interestingly filmed bits. So there was some like really... Um, Gunpowder. 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 Yes. Uh, See, go for. So the entire first sequence is <laughs> m- is broadly filmed behind Natalie Dormer, and it's all done in one take. There is some like quite shaky handycam stuff. There's a sequence that starts with the camera upside down. Oh yeah. Um, they use these bright pink title cards between sequences. I
1: wasn't into that. So much, um,
2: they have modern music as opposed to a normal period drum that would have. And I think some of those choices are really interesting. I don't know. If, I I'd agree. I'm not sure about the pink title cards, but there was some of the, and I'm not even sure about the modern music, but some of the filming and um, kind of production choices were interesting. <laughs>
1: he's really <laughs> able to scrape the bar- barrel John, some production after, choices. Uh,
0: well, no, after I just want to say, tell the listener, after he, John used the word interesting then, his face literally did like a kind of, <laughs> I don't know, what was he Like a, I don't know, grimace. Yeah. Grimace, that's what it was.
1: I love that everyone's getting as an as insight to, to John
0: now. Interesting in a bad way.
2: <laughs> yeah um but and i thought it was i didn't quite get it at the end i wasn't sure what was happening <laughs> and not in a as we were describing with um not, sharp in a, you're objects, being stupid way. not in sharp objects where it was like oh wow that's really interesting um i want to know why that weird thing's happening i didn't think oh i want to know what's happening i was thinking i don't get it and so i think it did actually jar mm. with me as equally as it did uk
1: John, I'm happy about this. We've made
2: up now. I don't like being mean about stuff, though.
1: It's not mean. Um, no, it's well, like going to be a lot of people who the will young love cast,
2: it. Uh, the young cast, all of the cast were great. Actually, not just Natalie Dormer. I thought uh, yeah. Samara Weaving
0: plays uh, plays Irma, the sophisticated heiress. Madeline Madden plays the uh, whip smart Marion. Lily Sullivan plays rebellious Tomboy Miranda, and they're all great. I agree. I did
1: like Miranda and Young
0: Orphan Sarah played by Inez Kuro. I um, I enjoyed it more than you two. Okay, but it is weird. This is what I would say about it, and I've so I've watched episode two, so I've got slightly more of a um, handle on it. Your face, it Kate's face. Now I love describing <laughs> the face. Kate's face. you bother watching episode two? It's literally like written all over her face. Are oh, you mad? Sorry. Um, but it is. It does tonally, and I and I I think I've said this before on this show, on this podcast. Do we call it a show. I don't yeah. Know. That when people say stuff is tonally all over the place, I find that quite an annoying criticism because that's fine if you want to be tonally like the face. Sometimes it's okay. Yeah. In this, it is weird. So. As you say, the opening where the voiceover from Nassie Dorman, she does a bit of Cockney. She's clearly alluding to the fact that she's changed completely. She's pretending to be this demure widow to buy this big house, to turn it into this girl's um, school. And she's got like all secrets from her past or whatever, that two of the girls have unearthed, by the way, clearly in some hidden tin. There's a whole thing going uh, yeah, on. Yeah, this whole... And she punishes them <laughs> for whole that. That's I keep my secrets. So there's yeah. that. Yeah, you've got to have, keep it in a tin, in a little <laughs> hidden tin. Um... There's that weird voiceover bit. And the and the end of the first episode, there's the dream. We haven't mentioned the dream sequence in black and white. Oh yeah. Which is extraordinary. that's right the did, you get, did you get that John's John, no, it out I, it. You I,
2: get I did to the, watch the whole of it the bizarre the she's,
1: black... she's asleep in bed and she's yeah.
0: just
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry.
0: It's a dream sequence in black and white that is utterly preposterous but i mean it's a dream it's fine people's dreams are preposterous but it's completely like out of nowhere and you're like oh my god what's going on there?" Well, it's a dream it's in black and white fine and you're right with all the there's an incredibly lush use of color in the scenes shot in the um in the rural areas in the outback next to hanging mm. the rock itself but it is all over the place a bit and it's all, all to the, the point dream. where Nasty dawn being very you know i'm this horrible nasty woman who's going to Abuse these kids, basically, these poor girls. And um the girls are very being very naturalistic, I thought. Um, but anyway, bottom line is, I could go on about it a lot. I, I do have issues with it. I think it's, and, and then I watched the second issue, and the second episode calms down a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's weird okay. in a way that they've gone so full out, full out with all the different styles and looks visually and tonally and in the script in the first episode. And then episode two kind of settles down once you know that they've all got to find out what happened to these poor Missing girls, but what the problem? Two problems for me is one we're reviewing it in the same week, so I enjoyed it, and I you know I am going to carry on watching. It. I did carry on watching it, so you're laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because you said
1: we'll find out what happens to those girls, and I was thinking, don't care.
0: Right, fine. But um, the two problems for me, which I have to admit, you know, not the fault of the show, but i just which is how I feel right now is the film is absolutely effing brilliant still. And I watched okay. a bit of it last night to double check. I was thinking, am I remembering this film? So I cranked it up. And it's so, that the tone of the film is completely consistent and it maintains this unbelievable feeling of dread and kind of overheated. This atmosphere is incredible. So clearly what they've decided to do in this is, is not do that, is do something different. That's, that's admirable. But that's, for me, it, it's, it isn't as good as the film. And then B, in the same week as Sharp Objects, yeah. which is so, as you said, so brilliantly directed and so relentlessly compelling, this does feel a bit more all over the place. But I'm still going to give it four stars. How I'm many stars do you three giving? and a half. John Dan.
2: Three for me, please. Picnic
0: at Hanging Rock is on BBC Two next Wednesday, the 11th of July at 9.05pm. Interesting. No, no Don't, fine. Yeah, I mean, What's if you hey? you have to wait Making five a cup minutes. of tea. <laughs> you're gonna have to wait five <laughs> bloody minutes. But what I will say is, before we go on to our final um, spoiler special section about the bridge, is that it's a pretty good week for new drama, considering yeah. we're in the high yeah. of the summer. You know, usually it shows you that TV now is an all-year-round. Usually a silly
1: season, isn't it? Silly Especially
0: season. with the football on. You got Sharp Objects one of the things of the year. Anyway, now we are going to listeners discuss the final episode ever of the Bridge that went out last Friday including spoilers, like we're going to talk about who did it and stuff and what happens to all the people in it. And if you don't want to know that, if you haven't yet had a chance to watch it, watch it. Stop listening now. If you've stayed with us... (laughs)
1: I like your dramatic pause. Oh, it's got to, give, it's got to be
0: user friendly. No.
2: Imagine you're like ruffling through your pockets to get it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, and imagine, yeah. this you, this
1: bit's helping it.
2: Knowing yeah. UK, you'd straight away yeah. have just screamed the killer. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: Furious, exactly. Me and John Down really not having a good episode
2: together. <laughs> the killer. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, of course it's a killer. What am I on about? I mean, serial killer. Serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: luckily enough, I think we're all huge fans of the bridge, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, we Kay and I went to see the. The um, thing at the oh, what BFI, that was. the launch of this series at BFI, and the, the writer was, I think we mentioned this before in this, in this yeah. podcast, the writers and stars were there. You, John, I know, were, were furious and jealous that we'd had a chance to see yeah. this before you had. Live but it. I
1: gave him a little... Um, toy we car? Got, yeah, I gave him a toy car, the Sega's t- <laughs> so car. you to- we were given it, Sager's gifted it, car. and I re-gifted it to John.
0: So I guess where to begin? I mean, first of all, in general... This is the last ever episode, as, unless they arrive in a few years' time, which I think is a stick possibility.
1: Do you think? But, Please. Yeah,
0: I think so. I just think...
1: I don't think they should. I think they should just leave well, it now. The
0: first spoiler fact is... Okay. No one dies. No one of the major characters dies. So they could have killed her off. They could have yeah. killed off um, Saga or Henrik. They both survive. And um, that ending is she just... The ending in so of as far as she's concerned is she it goes back to the bridge where it all started and um, kind of she's been she had that, those sessions with her shrink with the psychologist mm. and the psychologist kind of pointed out that maybe the reason she's become this detective trying to solve these things and trying to help people in that way is because of the guilt she feels about having to her sister and there's this whole thing about you find out that her mother had that syndrome what's it called Munchausen thank you Munchausen's by proxy or whatever it is yeah um, and so she feels suddenly free there's a sense of freedom she's on that bridge she's like All right, give, and she throws her police badge in the river and it's like so poetic her, so poetic <laughs> giving up being a cop. And I thought that was a brilliant ending. But equally, in a few years' time, they could bring her back. <laughs> special,
1: no, I just, one
0: more case. I, I, a anyway, case
2: that's so important
0: yes, that she exactly, has to... exactly, exactly. Uh, you know. It'll be amazing if they... Well, first but of all,
1: how's she going to fish that like police badge <laughs> out of the, I out the water? I think they can find her
0: a new one. Mm.
1: Know, yeah, get, but she wouldn't want a new one. She just, would want the
0: old one. She needs to get a new photo of herself, it'll be fine. Mm. But what's she going to do now? She's going to just, like, you know, have fun with, uh, you know, with life. Anyway, I thought it was a very clever kind of... Because apart from the fact that We'll talk about the solving the crimes, the crimes. It was incredibly satisfying ending for her personally. And I thought that was great.
1: And actually, that's what I cared about most. I have to say, by the end of it, I didn't really care about the serial killer. All I wanted to know is like how her story was going to end. And because I really loved the relationship with her and Hendrik. So I was like, how is this going to play out? Would I believe if they were like happily ensconced at the end, would that satisfy me? Would I think actually that's not really how I see her story being because of how she is.
0: And that would have been the, the kind of cliched yes, resolution. It would be very easy. And all the way through it was like, can they resolve away in their relationship? Can she have a relationship with a with a normal relationship with a man in that way? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I really like the fact that I think it was completely believable. Like I think if she hadn't had these um counselling sessions, to me it wouldn't have been believable that she would have come round to the position where she would be giving up her job and stuff like that because I just mm. don't think her relationship with Hendrick would have been enough, and she would have kind of, um, that tin lid, sorry, that um, she would have realized you know all of that stuff on her own, and so actually it was sure. it was perfect that that method of having the counsellor, um, love, yeah.
0: Are you in agreement, John? Do you happy with the way that she threw her police? I liked there? that, yeah, yeah, I thought uh, that was
2: good, yeah. Um, you're not happy that she's given up her well, it's like watching that show end for me was like. What, finishing dying. a no well no it was like finishing a really really good book and you think oh and i've got to read a new book and i've got to get to know new characters <laughs> do you know do you know yeah, what, yeah, yeah. yeah oh i was enjoying being in that world so much now i have to go get a new kind of drama maybe sharp objects but you know it, mm. i did re- um yeah i, I genuinely because it's it's for me personally over the last few years it's been like an absolute television highlight every time it's been on, even when some of the elements have potentially gone slightly preposterous. Um, I've always, I've always loved the show. Um, In terms of the crime, did you, were you guys happy with all that stuff? I know Kay said that she didn't really care by the end of it. Well,
0: what I liked about it was that, as I mentioned this last week, um, was that I loved how um, you thought that, I think if I'm right in saying at the end of Seven, the Penalty episode, we saw the woman. The assistant. The assistant to um, the... Guy who was married to one of the victims. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That she was when she started chasing after the two girls because they,
1: which was really terrifying. I was actually yeah. really scared for them. She's, She's just like this
0: super, super assassin woman. Yeah, <laughs> who um. Who, who was unveiled as the perpetrator Yeah, and the, so at the end of episode 7 and the beginning of episode 8 and there was a whole big be- episode 8 started I think I'm right in saying it's all a blown out sorry weeks ago um, with that tense scene where she goes to the house yes and all of that
1: she tases um, yeah. Sega yeah
0: and she's but they then, but they sort she it out she
2: shoots
0: Sega she tases the girls doesn't she oh yeah sorry, oh, yeah, she shoots Sega but F- it's all it. fine and they capture yeah. her and, they, and you think it's been solved but then there's, there's another half hour to go of that episode when you, when you think everything's been solved and that's when Sega suddenly realised and she also has of course solved Henrik the mystery of Henrik's daughters disappearing there's that she solved which I don't know if that is what you're alluding to when you're saying it preposterous it's slightly like she suddenly decides she's going to solve that crime and does it in about 10 minutes I mean that it does happen but I still, I went along Nothing with it. Nothing is fine. beyond I her abilities. I went along with it. But what I did really like about that final episode was how you thought everything had been resolved pretty much in the first half of the episode. And then suddenly they did a reverse ferret and that it hadn't still been solved. And then the guy in the wheelchair ended up standing up. <gasps> oh my
2: God. And um, attacking. Did you hate that Henry. bit? John It's pulling a face. So I am nitpicking because it is like my f- favourite show. Yeah. I, I worry that man in wheelchair doesn't need wheelchair is a bit. A bit little Britain cheap, yeah, it is a bit. Little yeah. Britain, it's a <laughs> yeah. bit of a cheap way out, and I think feasibly there is a way they could have had all those crimes be committed by either the woman or him still wheelchair bound.
0: Well, that's a very good point. I didn't know why this was, the, I was going to ask this point why oh, yeah. did he need to not be wheelchair bound plot wise? Because she was definitely involved, right? Yeah. it is
1: for the shock, isn't it? it she is was
0: completely the... right. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a, just a, that. It was a gratuitous moment, really, because I thought the whole thing was going to be she's the physical... He's the mastermind, if you like, and then she carries stuff he's out genius. physically. Yeah. But then they had this, as you said, rather needless bit where he stands up oh, like little Do Britain, you know
1: what? I hadn't thought of it before. Like now. Lou and Andy.
0: <laughs> and it was semi-comical. It was literally like, yeah. oh, okay. You're well, up until now. this
1: point, I actually quite enjoyed that moment. Do you know what I liked as well? You know the bit where... Um, she fi- she's figured something out. Oh yeah, she's figured out about her mum have definitely having Manchester by pro- yeah. proxy and she phones um Henrik who's in the hospital and he's like, Look, I can't talk, I can't and she's like, Oh, I just wa- I just wanted to tell you and he's really quite short with her and he put the phone down. And then she- cause she says, Oh, I just wanted to tell someone who's important to me what's what I found out and then she leaves and she goes to the prison and I don't know if I'm the only one. I thought she was gonna go see Martin. Yeah.
2: I think that was a fake out. I was that's 100%. what I thought I said that to
1: Boyd and he didn't think oh. that. But I was like but I love that. I love that that's what I that you're led to believe, in then the twist.
0: No, I, I really like that bit, bit, bit as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I completely love... I think it was. I think as finales go, like you're talking about, you know, final episodes of The Sopranos and mm. Breaking Bad, all these classic shows. And for me, you know, in some ways, the bridge is the Scandinavian equivalent of those iconic, long-running series. I thought it was incredibly effective and satisfying.
2: Yeah. Before the episode started, I was hoping there was going to be. Even even if it was a single shot, a something explosion? to do with Martin. No. Uh, okay. But in hindsight, now that the episode happened, I think if you put Martin in it, it suggests that the two ep- the two seasons with Henrik. Are Be- less so than Martin yeah. was the the original Sorry,
0: partner yeah. in series one and two, played
2: by like a really really and famous yeah, Scandinavian actor. who decided he didn't like it. He
0: d- he had a, he had artistic creative differences with the, with the showrunners. Yeah, and left, What so, fool? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, yeah, but that would have been almost even more users since the guy selling up in the wheelchair. Yeah, but I think so. They yeah. had a couple of people come back, which I thought was good, yes. didn't they? From previous The old police from the old chief days. in the flashback yeah. episode. Yeah.
1: And also the head of, um, the literally the physical head of
0: Mrs. Right. Oh, chops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Horrendous. Yeah, what's his good. name?
1: Um, her mentor, yeah. the police officer. I can't anyway. think, for the life yeah. of me. Hans?
2: Yes, Hans. Yeah. And I think her finding out that the daughter was somehow connected to the crime that they are. Solving that season,
0: yes, big coincidence there.
2: It was, a uh, oh, yes, small I world. yes.
0: Yeah, that's the only thing. No, that completely. Saying. That's another thing. Yeah, is that I was like w- oh, trying to work yeah. out the way where it wasn't just incredible coincidence, but it was not incredible coincidence. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, that these two things were linked. Yeah, absolutely massive. Which is
2: fine, you know. It's it's, it's a drama, like... and
0: I I didn't feel I have one more thing to say. Sorry, which, you just remind me of that whole strand that this weird village where yeah, run like by this woman. It was yeah. like cult, but they didn't really. Explain what that was, no. they? unless I missed something. I suddenly thought if I missed where they explained a good. No, way. It, was,
1: it was just a way of explaining like you know, where where his family had gone I so know, I suppose, but what is with?
0: this cult village? Like in the beginning the first few episodes, when they were setting up, you definitely like led to believe there was something quite Nefarious. Yeah, mm, nefarious sure. or um yeah, something not quite right about this. Well, and uh, then you, you just like the
1: son, you know, the son of the woman, the yeah. domestic abuse storyline. That didn't really no, I, I think, think, think Hans Rosenfeld did a fantastic job.
2: The writer, you the writer. Oh, I thought you meant Hans, the uh, did a great one. job of as, as, a, as a head,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Hans is the writer who also wrote um, Marcella, it was met Marcella. the ending of Marcella, mm. Marcella, Marcella, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember, remember that ending.
1: Oh yeah. my yeah, god, so I just oh you god, god yeah. that is ridiculous. But that will be coming back. The, the last when Marcella I, love, becomes the I actually up. really liked Marcella, <laughs> even though it got a bit ridiculous, no, I did as well. but the last. Six minutes. Yeah. Are
2: we going into... Is this a spoiler, Martell? <laughs> I mean, we've already days. done that. <laughs> yeah. All
1: right, we have, just making yeah. sure. No, we've but done just, it well. i just
0: comparing it because he's, he's the same writer. Yeah, yeah so compare But that, shows how he, he loves a bold, you know, and, set piece moment. Yeah. So, Good like, for him. So, like, the, the grandstand up with a wheelchair, oh, totally, yeah. And that, I mean, it's great. And I remember finally, what I was going to say was, I remember in when we went to that Q&A at mm. the BFI where she and him were there and they both said... The people were asking, "Oh, you know, are you happy with the ending?" They both said they, she, they knew what the ending was going to be, presumably, as in her going to touch the bridge and throwing, giving up, being a police They knew right at the beginning of the series, and I thought, yeah, clearly, you've, you, that was very clever.
1: And they also said that the the last scene between Henrik and Sega was really emotional. Yeah. Like they found it film, yeah. completely emotional. It was really. It
0: was, it was very, very
2: clever. Unlike Kay, though, if it does come back in two years, <laughs> I'll be happy. Really happy. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'll be fine with that.
1: This is my note to Hans. Please leave it where it is. Send
2: him it. If he's listening. If ha- Hans on the
0: ground, hog.
2: <laughs> or or he makes another series <laughs> and you just don't watch it. If, if oh yeah, that's a good answer. That's <laughs> no, a good John Dan.
0: No, she likes to control what's going on. She can't yeah. just yeah, to stay away from controlling. <laughs> like the mother I'm in the sharp mom. objects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kay is the sharp objects mother of the Unmissables. I'll progress. be a sharp object in a moment if I wrap that, this up. On that note, it's Late on Friday afternoon. We've all got homes to go to. And uh, it's a goodbye for me. It's a goodbye from me.
1: It's a goodbye from
0: me. And special thanks to Johnny yeah. for covering.
1: Cheers, John Dan.
0: Steph's seen. He'll be back next week.